It's time. We are not called to be nice. Sandy Rios, welcome, Sandy. Thanks for being here. We are often called to be confrontational. And here with me in D.C. is Fox News contributor Sandy Rios. You and you still like me, or you, or you don't like me, James? Are you okay? You're all right. <laughs> I'm a musician. I can't help it. Uh, longtime Fox News contributor Sandy Rios, thanks very much for being with us. We have, I think it's four to one youth. In America, wants gay marriage. Our kids are the product of public schools. No wonder they poll the way they do. It's time to stand up or we're going to lose everything we have. Director of Governmental Affairs for the American Family Association. Step up, speak up, say something, do something. This isn't a game. This is real life. Sandy Rios is with the American Family Association. A pro-life radio talk show host. Some things are worth fighting for. As yet another legal challenge runs its course. Can you tell the representatives that are currently in this building to come down and look at this document and sign it? At least a dozen men and women try to overtake the state capitol, demanding lawmakers agree to decertify Arizona's canvas. It is important to keep in mind that there's no such thing as a perfect election. Attorney Tom Ryan's been staying close to every single elections challenge filed in Arizona. So far, three of them tossed out. It's important that we do highlight these things so that the, the people of Arizona have confidence that it's been looked at. But it's all part of the process. The courts there to verify and determine if there really is any evidence of fraud. The problem is when you bring a case that is not supported by evidence, it creates an image that's false outside the courtroom. And that's really what these cases are designed to do to make it seem as if there's been a, a problem in the electoral process. The Arizona Republican Party arguing before a judge Thursday about ballots they discovered were duplicated incorrectly. The duplication process done by members of both parties in the presence of party observers and under 24 hour surveillance. In a review granted by the judge, they found nine out of more than 1600 ballots that weren't marked as intended President Trump losing a total of seven votes as a result. There's a variety of ways that imperfections can come into the system. That's not the same thing as voter fraud, but that's what the other side is trying to argue in these cases. And that takes a lot of evidence to prove more than just a handful of errors. And when witnesses come forward, their testimony alone doesn't prove a case. It's not enough just to say, I have a witness. It has to be credible testimony and under oath. Arizona on track to have its 11 electors cast their votes for former Vice President Joe Biden on December 14th. And don't tell us nobody came to work today. Clearly not without a fight, with two challenges still undecided. In Phoenix, Nicole Valdez, ABC 15, Arizona. All right, Sandy Rios with you. Well, today we're going to be talking to people from various states that made headlines over the November 3rd election, like people in Pennsylvania, Arizona, Wisconsin, Michigan, Nevada. What's happened in those states since organizations like ABC News says nothing to see here, no voter fraud, business as usual? Well, of course, in Arizona in particular, uh, Joe Biden ended up winning by 10,000 votes and receiving all 11 electors. Well, what's happened since then? Arizona had hearings that were just stunning. I played some of the sound to you of people who saw it claimed with their own eyes to have seen all kinds of voter chicanery. Well, one of the players, and an important one, in that whole, uh, let's say, drama uh, is Jake Hoffman. Jake is just newly elected into the Arizona uh, House of State Representatives, and he joins us this morning, very early morning in Arizona. Thanks, Jake, for joining us. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on, Sandy. 
All right, Jake, just a general question. Uh, af- in the aftermath of that, and a lot more happened than that little clip tells, uh, how are the people of Arizona feeling about what happened on November 3rd? In general, how do they feel about it, you think? Yeah. Well, you know, I, what I can tell you is that the grassroots here in Arizona, right, the conservative activists, the Republican activists, they're frustrated right now because we've, got, we've had an epic battle going on between our state Senate and our Maricopa County Board of Supervisors. So to put this into perspective, the Maricopa County uh, Board oversees a population and an area that is larger than 23 states. So this is not a small area, and they make up the lion's share of the total number of votes in Arizona. And, you know, the, the state Senate subpoenaed the voting machine because they said, we want a forensic audit. There are too many questions and there are too many statistical irregularities to not have a forensic audit on the machines so that we know either that we can have confidence in the outcome or that we need to improve the system. And the county board has played games and played politics. And uh, at one point they said, yes, we'll do it. And then they came back and said, no, they won't. Well, now they're doing an audit, but they refuse to do a forensic audit. So it won't show anything other than simply what the machines already show as the totals. And second, they are refusing, and this I just learned this morning, they are refusing to allow any party observers from any political party. They won't even let the party in the room to watch the audit that's happening. It's, it's a total disgrace, and our people are frustrated. So the Maricopa County Board of Supervisors, I'm guessing, is bipartisan? The Maricopa County Board of Supervisors is sadly a, I believe it's a four-to-one Republican-controlled body. Okay. Sort of like what's happening in a D.C. Republican leadership. But so, uh, but the state Senate is holding fast. I know, I think we talked to a state senator uh, during the process, and uh, he was, you know, there are a lot of people who are fighting. If you were to describe, Jake, the hearings that took place in Arizona, uh, I used my own very short description, but how would you describe what happened there and what the impact was? Well, look, the, the hearings and the fact-finding forums that took place led by, you know, various representatives and state senators, um, they were needed. Uh, unfortunately, the, the legislative leadership wouldn't allow them to be done in an official capacity. But look, you can't put uh, that type of testimony uh, in front of the people and not have some concern over what happened in the election, right? Now, look, I'm not saying that, that we can prove definitively one way or another. In fact, you know, the types of cases that people like Rudy Giuliani and Alex Colladin, our attorney here in Arizona, uh, were trying to bring, they're the equivalent of multi-year RICO cases, right? And so we're trying to make those cases in a matter of weeks. And that in and of itself is, is uh, you know, a hamstrung on the system. But, uh, you know, the reality is that we heard concerning uh, and seemingly credible testimony at those hearings. And th- honestly, that's why the legislature needs to force a forensic audit. That's why the legislature needs to engage in smart, common sense election integrity reforms. Uh, and that's, you know, I can tell you in the House, that's what we're doing. Uh, and I think the Senate needs to continue to fight in terms of the audit. Yeah. Jake, from my perspective, I watched uh, quite a bit of your hearings. And um, my description would be that there was such a broad spectrum of people testifying. There were maybe what you would call average citizens who did various tasks, who reported what they had seen. And then you had experts testifying 
who did who said jaw-dropping things and I think a couple of things. I think the sheer volume of people whose stories were the same, same but different, uh the sheer volume uh, was enough to persuade plus uh in a court of law. You know, you have witnesses and you have to assess their credibility. I, I thought it was a stunning display and with with uh, what um, was overwhelmingly a reason why it should have been really investigated and the evidence presented, but it wasn't. So, okay, so Jake, um, in the aftermath, uh, you just described that there's this standoff between the state Senate and the Maricopa County Board of Supervisors, and that's not going well uh, for conservatives. But what other things? Now, you talk, is there any other effort in an election commission, uh, the efforts to kind of um, clean up elections in the future? What's happening with that? Yeah, great question. So we have uh, uh, a tremendous set of uh, elections committees in both the House and the Senate. Um, I'm fortunate. I am the vice chairman uh, of the Government and Elections Committee uh, in the House. And so I'll give I'll run you through some of the things that we're working on. So I, I personally have a bill that will prohibit the private funding of elections activities. You know, that was something that we saw uh, for the first time in our nation's history, where uh, California billionaires were funding uh, millions of dollars into hundreds of elections departments in swing states all across the country. And that there's no place for that. We should not have outside influence in the process. So hey, we're, Jake, we've got a bill to prohibit that. We've before got another you go, bill, uh, hang on a hey, second. Before, before you go on, are you referring to, at least in other states, uh, Mark Zuckerberg and his wife investing millions of dollars to train voters and to, uh, I know in Georgia, uh, that was the case. Did that happen in Arizona? It did. We had multiple counties that took millions of dollars, okay. including the Secretary of State, I'm told. Okay. All right. So, and so then, and we so have, what else? We have other bills that, it, that do ballot tracking and chain of custody. Uh, we have other bills that prohibit the automatic uh, uh, registering of voters at the DMV, right? That's one of the uh, Democrat top priorities in Washington, D.C., uh, and we want to make sure that we don't have automatic voter registration. There is a civic, you know, it's called a civic duty and a civic responsibility, right? And so what we don't want to do is force people into something that they have not signed up for, that they don't want to do. Um, we've got other bills that require the Secretary of State to remove dead people from the voter rolls. Amazingly, it was permissive language. Now, it was required at the county level, but the Secretary of State was not required at the state level to do the same thing. Uh, we have other bills that prohibit mass uh, mail-in voting. And what I mean by that, and Arizona is very unique here, we have a modified absentee process. So our what's called PEVL, Permanent Early Voter List, in order to get on that list, you have to opt in. You have to request that you be put on that list, right? Now, we don't want to mess with that because we have a, a longstanding track record at doing that and doing it well. However, uh, again, Democrat priorities in HR one out of the out of you know Washington D.C. as well as there is a standalone bill now in the House that would require states to do mass mail-in voting, where yeah. every registered voter, regardless of whether mm -hmm. they've asked for a mail-in ballot and regardless of whether they even still live at their at the address on file, will be mailed a ballot. So we've got a bill that would prohibit that. Uh, we also have one that makes it illegal to change the dates for election deadlines. This was something that we saw in mul multiple swing states, right? Pennsylvania, Michigan, and Arizona, we saw it. A judge came in and said, no, we're going to extend the voter registration <laughs> deadline. It was arbitrary. It was already in violation of state law because statute prescribes the date. However, 
what we're going to do now is actually create a penalty and an enforcement mechanism for anyone who arbitrary, any government agent who arbitrarily changes uh, those statutory deadlines. So those are just some of the things, but we are working, uh, I mean, we've got uh, dozens and dozens of bills every single committee meeting that we're going through and vetting. And let me tell you, the Democrats uh, in our committee have made some of the most hyperbolic, uh, insane arguments against common sense reforms like this. Well, they always do. They never run out of them. Uh, Jake, we're going to run out of time, so I'm going to ask you some questions quickly. You've got sure. these great, great bills, and uh, you probably have support in the Senate, but let's assume it makes it to the House, makes it to the Senate. What will your governor do with these bills? So that is the million-dollar question right now. Look, I, I have faith in the process, and I, I believe that the governor uh, will recognize that we are the elected representatives of the people and uh, that these are smart, common-sense reforms. Um, but I'll tell you what, it doesn't hurt to have phone calls and emails going to make sure that he understands the people of Arizona want election integrity reform. Are people upset with him? Uh, people are upset with him for a number of reasons. Uh, election integrity being one, yeah. uh, COVID and some of the uh, yes. policies that he's had during uh, the last you know, 10, 10 12 months uh, being another. So yeah, he's going to have a, a tough, tough shot, I think, if he chooses to run for the U.S. Senate, which you know, it's, it's rumored to be the plan. Okay, last question. Uh, H.R. 1 is now being propo- been proposed in both houses in, the, in, in mm-hmm. D.C., the House and the Senate, and there is a nightmare. I've discussed it on the air, and quickly, because of time, it will codify all, ev- almost every nonsense practice that took place, an illegal practice, uh, and make it federal, a federal mandate. Have you guys discussed, and there's the music, 30 seconds, have you guys discussed wh- how you might face that and what you might do? We have. So we've got a couple of bills that will address that. But we've also put forward a uh, House concurrent resolution, HCR 2023, that uh, puts Arizona on record opposing H.R. 1 and calling on every member of Congress and the Senate to do the same. Wow, Jake, that's very that's uh, what an impact you've had already in such a quick time or short service to the Arizona legislature and the people of Arizona. So Jake Hoffman, we'll have to talk again because there's a lot more to say about you and all the things you've accomplished. Uh, So uh, just uh, we, we will talk again. Thanks so much for joining us. Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. After a long and often contentious recount that played out over days, this final step in the election process actually lasted less than three minutes. The chair of the state election commission signing off on Wisconsin's vote totals, confirming Joe Biden's win here in Wisconsin, but also setting the stage for a possible legal challenge. That recount, as you recall, happened uh, over a period of more than a week, and this all comes just days after it wrapped up here in Milwaukee and Dayton counties. President Trump and his campaign paid $3 million to recount and challenge votes in the state's two largest counties. But in the end, the recount resulted in Joe Biden expanding his margin of victory by uh, 87 votes over the president. The final tally showing Joe Biden winning Wisconsin by more than 20,000 votes. And late this afternoon, the election commission chair made it official. Has a statement been prepared by the Wisconsin Election Commission as my designee 
which declares the total number of votes cast for the office of president in the November 3rd, 2020 election. Yes, it has. I have examined this statement and I am now signing it as the official state determination of the results of the November 3rd, 2020 election and the canvas. The president has indicated that he's going to challenge uh, the results here in Wisconsin. His lawyers challenged or objected to tens of thousands of absentee ballots during the recount unsuccessfully. But now that the canvas is done, it's official and it's signed, now the clock starts and the Trump campaign has five days in which to appeal Wisconsin's final vote canvas. Well, and of course, we know how that went, and it did not go in President Trump's favor. In fact, Joe Biden, uh, the final count was that he took Wisconsin by 20,000 votes. So what happened to all of the accusations of voter fraud? What happened to the people's response to that? What happened to the legislature? What happened to the group of people that tried so hard to do something about what they perceived as election fraud, we're going to talk to our friend Terry Dietrich. Dietrich. Terry is the chairman of the Waukesha County Republican Party. He, Waukesha County is the largest county in Wisconsin. It's a very a conservative county, and they were all in on this effort to try to, to get it right. Also, uh, Terry is the new, uh, also the chairman of Wisconsin Red and part of a brand new election reform task force. So he's all those things. But Terry, thanks for joining us this morning. Well, thanks for having me, Sandy. Good to be here. As you look back on it, uh, I'd just be interesting to know your perspective on, in general, uh, your observations of what took place during the election cycle. What, how would you describe how it unfolded and what happened? Yeah, you know, absentee ballot mail-ins, along with the COVID um, effort uh, that was pushed, uh, you know, that really forced, if, if you will, a large effort by the Wisconsin Election Commission to push absentee mail-ins is, in my opinion, at the crux of the problem here. Um, these, these absentee ballots literally were not trackable. Um, we, we ran into all kinds of irregularities on that. The absentee ballot mail-in process was very irregular. It was obviously very high in percentage, 80-plus percent, I believe, in the spring election and 60-plus percent uh, in the fall, um, which caused a very big strain on the clerks, the 1,800-plus clerks in the state, to be able to manage that process. And all of that chaos with the idea that, you know, the COVID scare was was uh, you know, making people nervous about going in person really caused a lot of havoc in this, this entire uh, election process. So that was the start of it. Obviously, there was there were some specific things that were very, very contentious. One particularly, along with those absentee ballot mail-ins and in-person early voting, was the the, the curing or the correcting of uh, absentee ballot envelopes, which was, in our view, and the state statute specifically, was illegal for the clerks to cure these ballot absentee ballot envelopes. Meaning that you'd have a person who signed a balloter signing the absentee uh, envelope, dating it, having a witness signing it and dating it. And if that witness did not put their full and complete address on that absentee ballot, according to the state statute, that ballot and the absentee ballot envelope was then, was then absolutely invalidated. Those ballots were not invalidated. They were actually counted. 
and they were counted due to a Wisconsin Election Commission guiding letter that was sent by the executive director of the WEC to all of the clerks during the November process, early voting, and therefore clerks utilized that guiding letter instead of the statute to go ahead and cure ballots. So that was one really clear irregularity, in our, in our opinion, violation of what happened. Then you've also heard, I'm sure the whole country has heard about our circumstance with what we call indefinitely confined. So this was a spirit, a portion of the state statute that was spirited many, many years ago to help those very old people, um, incapacitated people, mostly out in the rural areas, to allow them still to be able to get a ballot without having to show an ID, but have some kind of verification with their local clerk. The average in Wisconsin for indefinitely confined uh, applications, and therefore people voting indefinitely confined, it was averaging about 5,000 out of a state of 4.5 to 5.8 million uh, voters now over the last 20 years. That absentee, that, that indefinitely confined total went from 5,000 to about 70,000 in the spring election, and then after that went to 240,000 people in our state who went ahead and self-certified being indefinitely confined, meaning you check the box and you did not have to show an ID. And in this state, we have a voter ID law. So the bottom line is the indefinitely confined function was exploited tremendously without any verification of these voters and the fact that they would unilaterally assign themselves as indefinitely confined. And there was ample evidence by the Trump team and others around the state that people who were certified as indefinitely confined, self-certified, and presented to the Wisconsin Election Commission by doing due diligence on many people as evidence, we found so many people in this process who were out going to the grocery store, going to their jobs, going to the state capitol as legislators, who had certified themselves as indefinitely confined, which means they were supposed to absolutely stay home and not be out on the streets, and yet they still exercised the right to vote without showing an ID and were out active, active in, the, in the society. So this is the type of stuff that went on, and, and, and the lack of clean voter rolls, which has been something that the that, uh, Wisconsin Election Commission has been putting off for years, we had an election that was, was, in our opinion, egregiously exploited for uh, primarily in the absentee ballot uh, arena that, that essentially caused irregularities. And unfortunately, the Trump team bringing the, this evidence forward was made to go through the, instead of having uh, the Supreme Court rule on it immediately in December, when the, this was obviously a uh, a very acute issue that needed to be ruled on quickly and, and decisively. Unfortunately, our one uh, Supreme Court justice, Brian Hagedorn, uh, expressed that this that the uh, the review of evidence should be sent through a normal circuit court process. So that went to the Milwaukee Circuit Court. That went to a specially appointed uh, judge in I believe it was Racine or Kenosha counties. Those judges ruled that they didn't want to see the case. They, they didn't see any merit to seeing the case. That took over two weeks to process through before that, that evidence was ultimately brought back to the Supreme Court, which we knew it would. 
So that stalled two weeks or more of that process. And once it got back to the Supreme Court, we had three conservative justices vote absolutely and in their oral arguments voted that we absolutely should be looking at this evidence. It was clear. It's real. And if we don't look at it, it will happen again and again and again, quoted by the Supreme Court justice. Uh, and unfortunately, Mr. Hegedorn voted that there was no merit to it. He used a, uh, a, a legal tool called latches to say that the Trump team did not uh, submit uh, their their evidence and paperwork in time, and therefore essentially threw the case out. Voted four three uh, in the overall Supreme Court just uh, Supreme Court uh, uh, ruling, and therefore the evidence for the people of Wisconsin was never presented. That's the Ter- bottom line here. Uh, it was never oh, presented. No. That's a fascinating and tragic narrative, uh, Terry. And uh, I know that you guys fought hard, but let's talk. You told me privately that people in Wisconsin are furious. Very much so. Very much so. Uh, They they want answers. They believe that their system is broken. They believe that, especially with the absentee ballot mail-ins, with irregularities and large increases, vote total increases in predominantly conservative wards of of, uh, counties throughout the state. And when I say... Uh, inordinate uh, increases in counts for Joe Biden. The bottom line is these weren't just uh, counts uh, against Republicans. These were increases way above what President Obama uh, received over the eight-year period in Wisconsin. Which makes where, no where, sense. Where, which made no sense. Yeah. So there, there are obvious irregularities that must be investigated all the way through. And let me just make one more point. You, you, in the beginning of the, uh, the session here, you had the, the radio uh, uh, announcer talking about what happened with the Wisconsin Election Commission and the commissioner actually signing off on the uh, election results. Let me be clear about this. She, uh, Ann Jacobs, the election commissioner, one of the six election commissioners, three Republican, three Democrats, she signed off on the election results, certifying the election without consulting Three, the three Republican commissioners at all. She certified this unilaterally. She said she had the right to do it. She doesn't have the right to do it. And let me go one more step. She then sent it directly to the governor who signed off on the certification. And according to Wisconsin state statute, he is supposed to wait five days and allow five days to rebuttal for rebuttal or review. He signed the, the order from the, the uh from the election commissioner, Ann Jacobs, he signed it within 24 hours. So he did not even follow the state statute to allow five days for a review before he could actually sign off on it. So even the certification of this election from that simple semantic uh, procedure was violated. Yes. Well, is all kinds of laws broken. It's just, it's just horrific to review this with you, honestly, Terry. But in the, in the minutes that we have left, I know that you're part now of this brand new election reform task force. Maybe you're heading it. I don't know, but you're part of it. Um, and and so, are you gonna? Will there be a review of that? Will there be a Will there be a reckoning for any of that? Or is this just elections going forward? Honestly, uh, the the evidence will be presented. The evidence will be reviewed. The evidence will be forwarded to the elections committee in the state assembly, which really is probably the most uh, jurisdicting uh, uh, body, 
and, and the, elect, the elections commission, uh, excuse me, committee chairman is is quite aggressive, and she know, she believes that there were issues. They had a hearing in in uh, early January, which started the process of proving all of this. So I believe we're going to get the answers from what happened. I don't know what kind of recourse there is going back, but the bottom line is, is it is it is without question that the people of Wisconsin want to find out what happened and want to absolutely clearly review in a public forum the evidence showing the irregularities. Because up until now, the narrative here in Wisconsin and around the country is, oh, you didn't present anything, you didn't show us anything, uh, the courts struck you down, so where is this nebulous uh, irregularities of these yeah. thousands and hundreds of thousands of votes that were that were uh, you know fraudulent, et cetera. Where is it? Where is it? We definitely, the people of Wisconsin, will not stop being upset and and you know allow this to even move forward without having that wow. uh, evidence presented. Now, where That's is great. it going to be presented, and when is it going to be presented? Is a question. Yeah. And our task force job is number one to gather that evidence. Number two, to hold the clerks responsible and the Wisconsin Election Commission responsible for what happened. And then in addition to that is what do we do with this evidence and what could we do to change the state statute, which is the most important mission that we have, is changing the state statute, cleaning it up so that these loopholes and areas of exploitation can't happen again. And obviously we've got a 22 governor's race uh, coming up, so that's going to be key. Well, absolutely. We only have a couple of minutes left. And I want you to say something about the positive, wonderful thing that you guys are embarking upon called WISRED, Wisconsin Red. Can you just briefly tell us about that endeavor? Yeah, I really appreciate it. So our county, um, obviously, so many people are upset and they're asking the simple question, what can we do, Terry? How can we help? You know, and I said, look, we will follow forward with the election side of this, but the most important thing is what's happening in your neighborhood and your municipality with liberals taking over school boards, even in conservative counties like ours. So our county party, uh, our idea as, as our board has come, come forward with WISRED. WISRED is the initiative to identify uh, open uh, and incumbent seats that are either uh, currently uh, up for spring election uh, whether they're incumbents that are liberal, whether they're what we call rhinos, or yes. whether these are open seats. And, we want to make le- sure that our candidates le- fill all those seats and yep. we win the spring election. Terry, let me jump in and say you've already selected some candidates. You're vetting them. You're running them in local races to take back Waukesha County and then spread Absolutely. further in the state of Wisconsin. So it's a local approach. It's sounds dynamic. In fact, you and I will have to talk about it more longer on a different day. But meanwhile, uh, those of you in Wisconsin, you've got some great people working on your behalf. And uh, Wisconsin's filled with great people who want truth. And so it's just kind of a it's kind of a bomb to hear what you're doing. Terry Dietrich, Waukesha County Republican Chairman. Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. Don't forget to connect with Sandy Rios in the morning on Facebook or email Sandy at Sandy at AFR.net. That's Sandy at AFR.net. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. Thank you so much for joining us and uh, welcome. So what happened? What what happened with your Twitter account and the uh, company page? Well, first, mine was taken down because we have all the election fraud with these Dominion machines. We have 100% proof. And then I 
when they took it down um, uh, about my, three weeks my, ago, I, and then when I put it back up, my personal, I put it, it was a Mike, thing uh, thank you very much. Mike, Mike, uh, you're talking about machines uh, that, that we at Newsmax have not been able to verify any of uh, okay. those kinds of allegations. We just want to let people know that there's nothing substantive that we've seen. And let me read you something there. While there were some clear evidence of some cases of vote fraud and election irregularities, the election results in every state were certified and Newsmax accepts the results as legal and final. The courts have also supported that view. So right. we so, wanted so to talk to you about risk. canceling you culture, you if you will. Risk. We don't want to relitigate the, like the, the wait, wait, uh, allegations wait, wait, wait. that you're wait. making, Mike, because I'm, I'm we, we, we understand where you are. So let me ask you this. Do you think that this should be temporary because it appears to be permanent? Could you make an argument that it is temporary? What? <laughs> could you make an argument that this could be a temporary banning rather than permanent? No, I want it to be a permanent because you know what? They did this because I'm revealing all the evidence on Friday of all the election fraud with these machines. So I'm sorry if you okay. think it's not uh, Mike, real. I, 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 can I ask point. our producers, can we uh, get out of here, please? Uh, I, I don't want to have to keep going over this. Actually, we at Newsmax Mike, have not been able wait, to verify any of those allegations. Wait, that you're, you're, Mike, okay. hold on a second. Everybody hold on a second. Mike, Mike, hold on one second. Uh, let's talk a little bit about just what is happening overall in terms of censorship. Of Frank, cancel out my company and myself okay. in this country. It's cancel culture. They're trying to cancel me out. And you ask the question, why did they cancel that? Because I have evidence of the machine. Okay. Gun, and I'm going to re okay, reveal it all on Friday. Okay. All right. So that was a very fascinating exchange on Newsmax. That was Bob Sellers, the anchor, along with Heather Childers, who used to be at Fox. Uh, and, of course, you heard what happened. Bob Sellers, they turned Mike down. I can tell you they do control that. And they let Bob Sellers read a statement over him, and they would not let him speak. Uh, so uh, pretty, dis pretty disappointing from Newsmax because a lot of people have been looking to them for information. Uh, and the reason behind that, I'm confident, is because Dominion <clears throat> uh, Voting Machines, Dominion Company, has been suing the socks off of everyone and threatening them uh, if they say anything about the voting machines. And so that's how that transpired. But for Mike Lindell, his whole business is at stake and uh, his whole livelihood, his reputation, and they are trying to destroy him. There's no question. So it's a, just a tragic situation. Uh, we have talked about Arizona and uh, Wisconsin, what's happened in the aftermath of the election, but we have not talked about Michigan. And Pat Kolbeck joined us several times during this process. Pat is a former state senator. He's just a powerhouse, and he's been so uh, he's spent so many hours I can't even imagine uh, trying to fight back uh, what we feel was election fraud in uh, in Michigan. And so he joins us this morning. Good morning, Pat. Hey, good morning. Pat, you are working with Mike Lindell on this big reveal. He's talking about, he doesn't yeah. call it that, I call it that, for Friday, where the evidence is supposed to be displayed. What do you know about that? Well, I was uh, circumnavigating the eastern half of the United States, picking up experts from all over the country to go off and testify as part of this documentary. And I can tell you that, first and foremost, Mike Lindell is genuine. He's the authentic article. And the reason he's so passionate about this topic is because he knows the truth. 
And as many Christians know, there are a lot of Frady cats running around in the Garden of Gethsemane because they were afraid for their lives and they were hiding up in chambers. But then when they saw the risen Christ, all of a sudden they were talking smack to the same Sanhedrin that had crucified their Savior not too long before. And there's a certain boldness that goes with knowing the truth. And that's what Mike Lindell has. That's what all the folks that are participating in the documentary, including myself, have. And I thought it was kind of ironic, don't you, that a story uh, by Bob Sellers on censorship actually became the poster child for censorship. Oh, really? It's the truth. I didn't say. Bob Sellers, actually, you couldn't see it on radio, but he got up and left his seat. When he asked the producers to intercede and, you know, get us out of this, uh, when Mike continued to talk, he got up out of his chair, and Heather had to carry on, and she was actually very gracious at the end. I, I sense, I'm reading in her some very big discomfort with what took place. But Pat, you say, is it a documentary that's coming out on Friday? Yeah, it's going to be a documentary. You're going to see information that you haven't seen before. Uh, it's going to be, but frankly, the stuff that we've seen before should be enough to go off and highlight that yes. these election results uh, should be brought into question across the board. But you know, now we're going to go take it up a notch. The people that are assembled, you can't attack their credentials. They're impeccable. And Mike, you know, uh, is uh, very good at getting the word out, and he's persistent. And uh, and here's the good news for everybody who's listening to that and are worried about Mike. Um, in the wake of all the censorship by different outlets, big box stores, et cetera, his sales have gone up fivefold. So that's good, <laughs> and he rewards those who oh, uh, testify to the truth. I'm so glad to hear that. I really, really am, Pat. I have to also say Mike is a very strong believer. Most people know that. But he has been without anything in his life, in poverty, living life that's out of control. And he's been a very wealthy man. And I think when you have that past and you're sold out to Jesus, which he is, uh, you don't care. You, you, you're all in for the truth. And so that's what Mike Lindell is doing. Lampooned on Saturday Night Live, you know, in anticipation of the documentary being out there. Don't don't be. I mean, there's a lot of people that want to make sure that uh, um, his influence is diminished before we even release this. So yeah, he's a good man. All right. So as soon as that documentary gets out, please get the word to us so we can make it available to people. All right. So um, my number one mission. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Well, so Pat, um, what's happened? In the state of Michigan, in the aftermath of the election, you guys had great testimonies, gripping testimonies of what people were seeing, uh, from yeah. from mail-in voting to 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 postmen to uh, experts, all kinds of people. Casey okay, so had gr- really incredible evidence, and it went nowhere. So after the ma- after it's been certified, Biden's president, what's happened in Michigan since then in regard to that? We have a lot of legislators going through the motion. We have Senate leadership. Um, and we have House leadership that went through and said there's nothing to see here, kind of like Bob Sellers. And the, uh, the election's already been decided, and they're moving on. Now they're just talking about plugging the holes of some perceived uh, gaps that they have in the election process, and it's all about reform moving forward. Um, they even had subpoenas of data in Detroit and Livonia, which are in Wayne County, Michigan, the most populous county in the state. And that information has not been revealed. We also have a lawsuit that uh, you guys may recall the Antrim County lawsuit where we actually had access to the data in the um, uh, Dominion servers um, that uh, we wanted to investigate so we could get to the bottom of that 6,000-vote flip from Trump to Biden that was everybody recognizes occurred, um, and uh, we wanted to get the actual data associated with that. 
um, we actually had a successful court order issued by Judge Kevin Elsenheimer in that case. And we did a forensic analysis performed by the ASAC group and another group as well. And uh, the forensic analysis came back and identified that the ranked choice voting algorithm, which allows for fractional voting, was actually enabled in that. So we got to the root cause of what was flipping votes there. But you know what? Along with the, uh, that report, when it came back, there was a protective order issued that actually um, redacted the portion of the analysis that would actually testify to that and also would overcome the, uh, would actually demonstrate that the testimony by the Dominion CEO, John Polis, was actually um, in conflict with what we actually observed on the data, which would put him into perjury. So there's a lot of stuff that developed, but you're right. There hasn't been any consequences and there hasn't been any action. And uh, I hold our elected officials accountable for that. I know that there are individuals in your state who are fighting back, and I think some of them are concluding uh, that it's their communities. They're going to have to start there, taking back their communities and working their way up uh, the chain of uh, the political uh, uh, infrastructure. And I know you'd agree with that. But also, uh, Pat, your state was about as shut down as any. Gretchen Whitmer uh, just became the poster child and still is, really, of uh, ruling over the people of Michigan. So what's the Well, first of all, it appears that the election of Joe Biden was the magical cure for COVID that everybody was looking for because now kids are allowed to go back to school. Now restaurants are allowed to open up again on the inside. So um, there's a demonstrable tie between the COVID policies and the COVID outbreak and the response by government officials and what happened in this election fraud season. Um, A lot of the election fraud was enabled by mail-in voting, ostensibly uh, driven by these COVID policies. So the, the bright spot, while I'm frustrated by the response of our elected officials or lack of response, um, there have been a lot of individuals standing up. And it started off with good old Barber Carl Mankey. You may recall his stand where he said, "You know what? I got to pay for. I got to. I got to pay for my employees. They got to feed their families. We're going to stay open." And there's stories like Carl, and then also my favorite story is by, from Amy up in uh, Cafe Rosetta up in the uh, Upper Peninsula of Michigan. It's a small community where she has this restaurant, and she was on welfare, uh, had an abusive husband, had uh, quite a few kids, and uh, she was stuck in the welfare cycle. And um, uh, over time, she uh, divorced her husband um, and, uh, and got together with her brother, opened up a restaurant, and uh, made a successful restaurant where she had 30 employees. Well, right as she was at the uh, pinnacle of her success, this COVID shutdown came down, and they told her to shut down her restaurant. And she said, no, I'm not going back to being a slave to the government. She refused to close, kept the restaurant open, and all the people in the community out in the Houghton area and elsewhere are standing up in her defense and uh, and going to law enforcement, the local sheriff, a thousand people in the middle of nowhere up in the Upper Peninsula marched to the uh, sheriff's station said, do not enforce the governor's orders here to shut down her restaurant. We want it open. So individuals are standing up, and that's the bright spot. That is the bright spot, and really that is the only hope of the country. And uh, like you, Pat, I mean, you could uh, you could do nothing, but you've chosen to really take this on, and it's been very controversial. You've been on the front lines. So I'm going to ask you, you've told me this before, but uh, you uh, were with the aerospace industry. What qualifies you to be such an expert on uh, voter machines and all the technical stuff? Well, I served as vice chair of the Elections and Government Reform Committee when I was in the Senate. 
And unlike a lot of my colleagues, I took that responsibility very seriously. So I read through the Michigan Manual. I read through our election law. I diagrammed out all the election processes from, you know, voting at the polls to getting registered a voter, all that stuff in the process flow diagram so I could identify where the weak points were in the process. I even teamed up with Catherine Engelbrecht out of True the Vote to go off and analyze that. So I was very familiar with the processes. But in addition to that, I got a technical background. I'm a certified Microsoft Small Business Specialist. I uh, helped design the cabling system for the uh, International Space Station, particularly the airlock module. So I'm, I'm familiar with networks. I've done, I've assembled dozens of networks as a, uh, as a Microsoft Small Business Specialist as well. And so I'm very comfortable with network configurations. So what that ties into is tracking the conveyance of vote tally information. You know, those little uh, tallies that everybody's waiting for at the end of the night up on CNN or Fox News saying who's won the election? I want to know how those numbers are generated. What's the source? How does it go from an individual ballot all the way up into the numbers that are portrayed there and ultimately certified? And so um, the only way you can really get your arms around that is with a pretty good IT knowledge. All right, so you're disappointed, and yes, yes to all that. Uh, you're concerned about the legislature's pet or t- tepid response. I started to say putrid. I might oh, be yeah. true, too. And, tepid and, and response. In fairness, yeah, this can be complicated, right? This is not, and a lot of people don't dig into the details. When you run for election, that doesn't mean you understand how the elections work. <laughs> it just means that you understand how to run for office. And so in fairness to them and a lot of the judges that are treating this, You've got to understand how chain of custody, the term chain of custody, is important in an election, just like it is in a criminal case. And you do. So, Patrick, you've been a real treasure. And I know that you're not giving up. I also know personally that there are tons of people in Michigan who are so upset about this, and they're not going to stand down. They're going to stand up, actually. There's a movement called that. Uh, Quickly, 30 seconds, recall of Whitmer. Where is that? I recall Whitmer is done. I mean, there's an election coming up in 2022. I think that's where all the efforts are going to be focused. It would have been nice to get rid of her but uh, uh, from governor uh, position, but that, that doesn't look like it's going to happen. It's just a matter of everybody individually now standing up and doing the right thing. And yeah. uh, if you want to find out more information about where we stand in Michigan on the election issues, where... You know, want to know more about Dominion voting systems? Okay. You want to know more about yes, why quickly. Michigan's election should be decertified? Go to letsfixstuff.org. Let's, let's fix Let's fix That's Michigan Pat Colbeck. Thank you, Pat. Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk.